This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Unnecessary roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown Raiders. Would you believe it? This is unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Here we are kicking off another week here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Demont Cotton behind the wheels of steel. Your boy, Q. Three hours long, three hours strong, not just today, but all week long. Vinny Bonsignor is on vacation, so in the huddle will not be heard, but uh, we'll hold it down from 2 to 5 p.m. pretty much every day this week. I believe on Thursday we get out at 4.30 due to uh, Aviators baseball game, and then on Friday we actually roll till 5.15. We'll be at the TI, but we'll roll a few minutes later, and then we'll kick into Aviators baseball. So for the most part, all week long, here on uh, Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920, we'll go three hours long, three hours strong. And you know us, we have no problem doing that. We enjoy being here, talking with you each and every day, uh, getting a lot of feedback from you, and just kind of navigating through the waters of the regular offseason, how it goes down. And right now, uh, the Raiders were able to get back to work today, and it was uh, it was great to see the offseason program work up with the majority of all the Raiders showing up to the program. Saw a lot of pictures floating around from the Raiders. Uh, Derek Carr, Darren Waller, Devontae Adams, Chandler Jones, uh, Josh Jagos, multiple guys. Uh, see them all rolling into the facility today. Uh, excited just to know that they're actually back out there. Now, the one thing that I wasn't excited to find out about was that we don't have any media. We don't have any media uh, sessions, or we don't have any kind of uh, player availability or anything. And hey, you know that's something that I remember, Demont. You asked last week, like, hey, are you sure that there's going to be some, um, you know, availability? I was like, no. <laughs> not sure at all, you know, because the new regime, you just don't know what their plans are, what they, you know, what they want for access. And so as of right now, there's there's nothing to to report or nothing to hear from or nobody to hear from. But we do know that they're in action. You know, they're doing what they have to do at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. And let's not get it twisted. There's no pads popping. There's nothing like that going on. There's rehabilitation is going on. There's meet, meetings are going on. That's that's the important thing. Josh McDaniels is getting an opportunity to kind of put phase one together of this offseason and start to put together phase one of what this team is going to look like. Again, uh, the meetings are going to be really cool to be able to have those opportunities to be there with the players and the coaches uh, around and all, all that good stuff. But they're not out there on the field, you know, running routes and all that other stuff. I mean, it's just a lot of rehab and stuff is going on. On and, and also uh, a lot of meetings are going on, some you know, some uh, physical therapy, other other stuff like that. But again, just to be in the building and being around the players and all that good stuff, uh, it, that's a good thing. And so the majority of of all the players did report. I think there was maybe two that weren't there that had um, had excused absences, so it wasn't a big deal. It was something like, hey, everyone knew that they weren't going to be there, and I couldn't tell you who they are. I just know that the majority of the people that everyone was looking forward to. Derek Carr, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, you know, uh, Devontae Adams, Chandler Jones, Josh Jacobs, all those guys, they were all there in attendance. So there you go. It's getting started. Yeah, real quick, Derek Carr, he's the first picture if you go to Raiders.com. <laughs> right. And it's dark outside. And I saw from one of the members of the Raiders so- social team, he got there at 520. Do you think that that's just him being the quarterback? Because it's like, man, it's still dark outside. I'm not right. saying that he doesn't want to be there, but do you think he set the alarm early? Like, I got to be the first one there to make the statement. 
I mean, it's probably a little something to do with that. I think that has. I think that's who he is anyway. I think that he, him, and Max Crosby are those kind that just show up, you know, super early anyway, and uh, are, are kind of like those gym rack type guys. But I'm sure there's a little something to it. I, I, I honestly was kind of wondering if he was going to be there or not. You know, just because I knew that they were going through the the contract extension conversation, so I didn't know if he was going to show up or not. And so that's probably uh, another reason why he showed up bright and early, just to kind of let it be known that hey, I'm here. But uh, that's that's cool. Yeah, I'm, not bright I'm not and early, mad. dark and early. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It was dark and early still. Yeah, five twenty. Is that what's, what's yeah, that's the tweet I saw from someone yeah, that works for five twenty. I woke up at five thirty, and I know how dark it was at five thirty. So <laughs> yeah, you're right. It was absolutely dark when Derek Carr arrived at the facility. But it was pretty cool, man. I, and I don't know why I did this. Uh, I did this last year when I showed up here in in Vegas in, in July. I drove by the facility. I just drove by it just to check it out and see what was going on. And I know that there was nothing that I could look at and see. I knew there wasn't. I just said, I'm just going to drive by and see what's. Matter of fact, when I drove by it, I, I arrived here in Vegas on the 4th of July. I, uh, I, yeah, that's right. Cause it was what Saturday was a third was the third and I drove and then I didn't make it all on Saturday. So I had to uh, finish the drive on su- Sunday morning, which was the fourth. And so I did. I drove by the facility on the 4th of July, and, you know, that's Al Davis's birthday. And so I wanted to kind of drive by the facility and check it out. So I did and took a picture and, and tweeted it out or whatever like that. So yesterday, last night, I drove by it again just because I knew that the offseason workouts were starting today. And for some reason, I was like, I just need to drive by. And there was absolutely nothing I could see except for you see the torch outside. You know, you see the security shack. It's so funny, though, when you drive by the facility and you see – people like sitting in the turning lane and they're just kind of observing the building. They're just kind of looking at it and maybe taking pictures or whatever they're doing. And finally like security comes rolling out like, oh, no. Hey man, you gotta, you guys gotta keep rolling, you know, keep it moving. But it's just funny because people that come to town, they want to see the building, you know? So I drove by last night and thought, all right, it's the calm before the storm. And it's, it's a, a minor storm. And then I said that and it's supposed to be super windy today. So I guess that's another kind of a storm. But uh, yeah, it was just one of those situations where I thought, hey, you know, it's the calm before the storm. Uh, they report for, for some kind of duties uh, starting tomorrow. So so here we go. So I don't I, again have no idea why I did that. Maybe when OTA start, maybe I'll do it again. I don't know. It was just one of those things. I was driving around and thought, I think I'll drive by the facility. Yeah, you're getting you're getting a little too excited for football season. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. You might be more excited than they are. Probably, probably. And look, we've got a long ways to go before we get to any kind of football activities. I am getting excited uh, about the draft, though. I'll tell you that, man. I've been super excited, super pumped up about the draft, and I know that we are less than three weeks away from it, and it's going to be downtown. Uh, did a little bit of driving around downtown as well. Started to see signs already saying, you know, that hey, it's going to have closures here, closures there. So. Prepare. You know, people have been hitting me up. Hey, I'm coming to town, Q. I'm going to be there on this day or that day or the other. So I think there's a nice little buzz going right now for the NFL draft. And the closer we get, the more and more it'll be even bigger buzz. And speaking of the NFL draft, we are going, I mean, really, for the next three weeks, we're really going to pretty much go hard in the paint when it comes to the NFL draft. There are so many different ways and different angles to attack the NFL draft. It's so easy just to go and have a guest on and say, well, hey, who do you think is going to be the first quarterback off the board? Or, you know, I mean, stuff like that. That's that's super simple and basic. Chalk. Yeah, exactly. I don't like to be basic. I don't like to be chalk. I don't like to be simple. And, of course, with the Raiders situation that they have this year, with them not having the first or second round pick, you've got to take different angles when you're looking at the uh, upcoming NFL draft. And there's a lot to get from it. So I'm excited about having different conversations with different people. And today, we are going all the way in when it comes to the NFL draft. We have three different guests that we have on the show with three different angles that we're going to take 
all have to do with the NFL draft. First, my guy, Sam Kahn Jr. from The Athletic, uh, he is the expert. They call him the expert because he covers the whole state of Texas when it comes to college, right? And he used to work for ESPN, really good dude. And then when ESPN did some layoffs, he ended up being one of the guys, but he ended up getting picked up by The Athletic, and now he does a great job covering all the college football activity going on in the state of Texas. So he's going to join us to talk about, and I'm going to cherry pick some guys that are from the state of Texas, some guys from Texas A&M, some guys from the University of Texas, Sam Houston State, you know, UTSA, guys like that, guys that I think that could possibly be around in the third round, in the fourth round, the fifth round that the Raiders may be able to pick up. A couple guys that the Raiders have brought in for visits already, you know, guys like that. We're going to talk to Sam Kahn coming up at 2.30 about those guys in particular. Not necessarily where he thinks they're going to be in the draft, but just get a background on those guys. What he saw from them in college. Again, Sam Houston State, UTSA, Texas A&M. Uh, I'm not going to ask him anything about Baylor. Oh, and the only reason I'm not going to ask him about Baylor is because at 3.30, we'll have Tim Watkins from BearsIllustrated.com. Baylor's got a ton of dudes in the draft. I'm not saying first-round guys, second-round guys, but there's a ton of dudes that they have that are going to be in the draft, including Kalen Boogie Barnes, who's a guy that the Raiders have met with. And he's a big-time cornerback. He's a fast dude. And there's one thing that I've noticed with all the guys that I've seen the Raiders have have visited with so far on their uh, visits that they're allowed to have before the draft, they have been visiting and meeting with the guys with a lot of speed. A lot of speed. And there's nothing wrong with that. That that gets me excited. That gets me fired up. Well, Kalen Boogie Barnes is a guy that has a ton of speed. So we'll talk to Tim Watkins at 3.30. We'll talk to him about nothing but Baylor products, guys that are coming from Baylor. And it's funny because we have Sam Kahn talking about the state of Texas. Well, obviously Baylor's in Texas as well, but they got so many guys that I just had to say, hey, let's just focus in just on Baylor with Tim. So we'll do that coming up at 3.30. 4.30, Sigmund Bloom, footballguys.com. He's a guy that I talk to regularly just about each and every year. He does a fantastic job breaking down the draft. We'll talk different angles with him with the draft. We'll talk about different players that could potentially be there uh, for the Raiders later on in the draft. Talk about different position groups, you know, running backs, wide receivers. Running backs haven't been getting any kind of talk. You know, I mean, there's two positions that haven't really got a ton of talk. The running backs and linebackers. Linebackers haven't got a lot of talk because I think that it's a really it's a thin class when it comes to linebackers. It's not a real deep, you know, a pool of talent there when it comes to linebackers. But the running backs, I just feel like they get so disrespected. You know what I mean? And and, and I hate to say disrespect because someone's gonna take it the wrong way, but they're just the value's not there right now for running backs. It's just not. Exactly. And you say the value, it's almost you take a running back in the first round, it's like, oh man, how could they pull such a dumb decision? Right. Najee Harris is like, this guy was a top five player in college. But you, the the Pittsburgh Steelers taking the first round is like, I don't know if they should have done that. What do you mean? <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, and Najee Harris is a hell of a player. Hell, Josh Jacobs is a hell of a player. You know, the Raiders took him in the first round. A lot of people say, you don't take a running back in the first round. And I get it. I get it because not because the the, the player is not a, a a great player. It's just that again the league doesn't value that position as much as it should. It's like these guys they use them up, use them up, use them up, and then spit them out. All right, thanks, thanks for giving us all your services and putting all this wear and tear on your tires. Now we're done. You know, now go ahead and and, and see what you can do. See what kind of uh, money you can make on the open market. I mean, it's just it's just not what it used to be, and that's unfortunate for running backs. I always tell people, hey, um, make sure you you uh, you 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 raise your kids not to be running backs. <laughs> you know, not not because I don't like it. Because the, the other thing about that is, I love to see a dominant running back like one like a Derrick Henry, for example. And I know everyone's not built like Derrick Henry, but I mean, you know how he could dominate a game. How much fun is that to watch a dude just you know it's coming. 
oh, they're going to give the ball to, to Derrick Henry, but you can't stop it. I love seeing that. That's And it's just not – they don't even – outside of Derrick Henry and a few select others, it's all like running back by committee. Exactly, and it's the most fun. It's the most electrifying position. Think about from like peewee on up to college. Right. Who's usually the star? Yeah. It's the running back. When you see like a nice highlight, it's like yep. look at the way he – he the cut from the backfield, how he outran the whole team. And then you get to the pros and it's just, yeah, all that's cool. We really we're going to swing this thing yeah, around yeah. the yard. <laughs> we're going to throw this thing all over the yard, and our, our quarterback's going to get 5,000-plus yards and have 40-plus touchdowns and make $45 million a year. I mean, I, yeah, it's just it's crazy. Can you block on third down? Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Could you block? Because uh, this quarterback's got to throw the ball. Yeah, I can run the ball, too. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Overrated. <laughs> that's, that's a given, <laughs> right? Exactly. No, that's 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 facts. So uh, we'll talk to Sigmund Bloom. Uh, we'll take another angle when it comes to NFL draft with him. So we're very NFL draft heavy. Sam Con Jr. at two thirty, Tim Watkins at three thirty, and Sigmund Bloom from FootballGuys.com coming up at four thirty. Those are the guests that we have coming up on the show today. Now that we got that out of the way, let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. All right, so now let's go ahead and get into the opening drive, and I have a couple questions that I wanted to bring to the table, a little bit of discussion. Again, uh, excited to see that the Raiders are at the facility doing some work today. Uh, Most of the people showed up, and and that's a good thing. I think that shows leadership. So uh, Josh McDaniels is getting his first opportunity to really meet with these guys, you know, not only just one-on-one, but also in a a team setting, in the meeting room. That's that's a good thing. But over the weekend, there was a lot of – great action. I was watching a lot of sports over the weekend. Of course, the Masters got kicked off on Thursday. I was excited about that. It didn't end the way I wanted to, obviously. I mean, over the weekend, you saw Tiger just fall off and fall off some more, and that's unfortunate. I was even, matter of fact, yesterday I was going to wear my red polo, but Tiger was so far out of it, I was like, man, I ain't going to wear my red polo. I can't do it. I can't do it. I know he did it, but it wasn't it wasn't very uh, Tiger-esque, you know what I mean? But just to see him out there was cool. Uh, saw a lot of baseball over the weekend as well. Of course, there was a lot of football news that came out, but I want to get into this subject because thinking about Tiger Woods and how the fact that he was or is to me must watch TV. I know he might not be must watch TV to everybody, but I wanted to ask the question, and this is tougher in football, I do believe. What Raider is must watch t- or was must watch TV for you? What Raider was must watch TV for you? So whenever you knew that he was going to be out there performing, Who did you get excited about and say, hey, I've got to stop down and watch this dude? I'll tell you this. One guy that I always got excited to watch was Napoleon Kaufman. He was, I mean, that dude was electric. Anytime he had his hands on the ball, I thought there was a chance he could score. Like every single time he had his hands on the ball, I thought, oh, this dude's going to take it to the house. And he had, I think he had a really good run. He had a really good run in the, the league. It wasn't as long as most people expected. He decided to to dip out and, and go become a preacher, and that's fine. But uh, it was just, it was anytime 26 had his hands on the ball, you knew it was like, okay, this dude could take it to the house at any, any given opportunity. So uh, that was one guy for me that was must-watch TV. Anytime he was out there, I was definitely paying attention. I mean, I was locked in anyway, but he was definitely a guy that I was paying attention to. Uh, and then I wanted to kind of double down and say, what non-Raider was must-watch TV? And that doesn't even have to be just football-related. That could just be any athlete that you just knew you were watching. If he was playing... You were watching. If he was out there, you were watching. So kind of two two parts to the question. What Raider was must-watch TV for you? And what non-Raider was must-watch TV? 
Another guy for me, and I think obviously this is going to go for a lot of people because he's a Hall of Famer, is Charles Woodson. Anytime Charles Woodson was out there, I was like, man, where's 24? <laughs> where's 24? I'm definitely paying attention to this guy because I always thought that there was an opportunity that he could make a play. He can uh, intercept the ball, take it back to the house, you know, get a big-time defensive play, something like that. And uh, he was he was always fun to watch. I remember when he got his his uh, first interception and uh, and took it all the way back to the house against the Cardinals. That was that was a, a just a great great play, great read, you know. And I know how excited I got when uh, when he made that play. So uh, those are two right there that were must watch for me: Charles Woodson and then Napoleon Kaufman. And I'll tell you again, Napoleon Kaufman was that guy. He was absolutely that dude. I'll never forget that two hundred yard plus game he had against the Denver Broncos at the Oakland Coliseum, playing in the dirt. Raiders hadn't won a game that season, and he led them to their first victory against Denver. That was a, just a great game. That that was kind of who Napoleon Kaufman was. He was that guy, Demond, that would run for negative one yard, negative two yards, three uh, gain of three yards, negative two yards. Boom, eighty yards touchdown. You know what I mean? Like he was that guy. It's just like just give it to him again. It's okay. Oh, I thought you were going to say, but even when he ran for negative three yards, it looked good. No, no, it didn't. Oh, I mean, it was it was it, it wasn't one of those. It wasn't you know Barry Sanders esque, but it was just like you knew you gave him the ball a couple more times, a couple more reps. Boom, he was going to take it to the house, or he was going to break off a, a huge run. And once you saw the back of his jersey, it was like you might as well just stop running. If you saw if you read Kaufman, he was gone. That's how fast that dude was. So he was one of those guys that was super. Uh, excited to uh, uh, to watch him play. So uh, I'd love to hear from you, Raider Nation. 702-365-9200. Salmon Ash text line at 69187. Keyword R&R. Looking for a Raider that was must-watch TV and then just a, a, a non-Raider that was must-watch TV. And that could mean someone who's not even a football player. That could just be any athlete in general. Hit us up, 702-365-9200. Who we have up first? Raider Rob. Raider Rob, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? The greatest Bo Jackson must watch TV. I like it. I like it. Come on. Every time he touched the ball, he's liable to go 80. Right. And run over somebody in the process. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and look good. Yes. Yes. Hey, good hey. stuff, man. Good stuff. Thank you for the call. I definitely appreciate that. Uh, Raider DJ Tony hit us up on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187. Non-Raider would be Michael Jordan. Absolutely. That was one guy. I'll tell you right now. I saw Michael Jordan when he was retired one time. He showed up for some weird reason. He showed up at the uh, Oakland Coliseum when the Warriors were playing wearing a, a clean white suit. I mean, it was all head-to-toe white, right? Super clean. I think I watched him more than I watched the game. And all he was doing was sitting courtside. But I promise you, me and my buddies, I was sitting there. I kept looking, man. Oh, man, MJ's getting up. Oh, where's he going? Oh, he's coming. Back. Like, I, like, I was all, like, I was paparazzi or something. You know, I was trying to wait took a sip of water. Right. That's how MJ takes a sip of water right there. <laughs> right. That's how the greatest, that's how the goat drinks water right there. No, I don't know. I don't know what it was, but I could not concentrate on the game because MJ was right there. It was crazy. You know what? That reminds me of a Sports Center commercial. It was like Stuart Scott and someone else, and Kobe just got something out of the vending machine. And it's like, that's exactly what MJ would have got. <laughs> I don't remember seeing that one. I don't remember seeing that yeah, one. Yeah, it's like you know, Kobe gets it out of the – it's yeah. Stuart Scott and somebody else, and Stuart Scott goes, that's exactly what MJ would have gotten. Wow. I, I got to go back and check that out. I don't remember that one. That's a good one. I like that. Good stuff right there. So hit us up. This is going to be a little fun topic that we have. Uh, how about this one? Uh, Q&D. I'm going to give you two names that I love watching and never missed. First was Bo Jackson back in the day, number 34 in the silver and black, and I couldn't get my eyes off TV. He was always one block away from taking it to the house. A non-Raider was John Elway. Couldn't stand him because he was a Bronco, but the guy was great. That is from Sir Whiskey Ray. And, 
Yeah, I couldn't stand John Elway either. But you know the thing about it is, you never hate guys that are uh, you know that are that that are are bad. You hate greatness, right? And John Elway, you always knew whenever he had the ball in his hands or had the opportunity to get the ball back, there was a chance that uh, that that team was going to come back. He was going to bring the Broncos back, and more times than not, he did. And so anytime he played the Raiders, I was always had my fingers crossed, my legs crossed, everything, my toes crossed. Come on, man, just make one play. Somebody make a play. Don't let this dude do it. And he he always looked like a Bronco to me. I mean, did, did he did? I mean, looking at his face, he looked like he should have been a Bronco. Like I mean, it just it just looked like. And I, I mean, I'm not trying to sound you know ugly about the situation, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, if the shoe fits, you got to wear it. We know what you're saying. Do you? Bronco fit perfectly. Yeah. Is he, what you're saying. Yeah. And that goes for Mike Shanahan, too. Because I always I always thought that he was he looked very like rat like. I did <laughs> I mean, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. Maybe someone could respond to that. Maybe I'm just tripping. But I always thought that Mike Shanahan had like a a, 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 a evil rat look on his face, and John Elway always had a Bronco. Like some kind of yeah, like a donkey look or something on his face. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm tripping. But uh, I, I would love to hear from you. Let me know about it. Uh, one more text from the Mailman Raider. Q, I remember growing up, always looking forward to seeing Tyrone Wheatley was going to run over next. Uh, that's That was must-watch TV to me. Was a big advocate of the truck stick when I played Madden, LOL. Tyrone Wheatley, we've had him on the show before. No doubt about it. Speaking of Tyrone Wheatley, he's now the running back coach in Denver. What a disappointment. <laughs> Everything leads back to Denver, right? 702-365-9200. Who's up next, Devon? Aaron in Vegas. Aaron, right here in Vegas. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Yo, what's up, my brother? Chilling, man, chilling. Hey, hey, before I get started on the on the on the players you uh, asked about watching, uh, that was perfect about your uh, Denver Bronco take you just took a few <laughs> minutes ago. That was absolutely perfect. <laughs> Me being a lifelong Raider fan, that was absolutely great. So I was riding down Sahara a few minutes ago, and it's windy, and I'm like, why is it windy outside? And I hear you talk about all the players showing up at the facility today, and I think, uh, what is this, autumn wind? There you go. There you go. I like it. That's what I'm thinking. It's like 70 mile per hour winds out here. You can't even see. Yeah, I know. But, uh, Be careful. Yeah, but my must-see uh, players, Raider Rob took my first one with Bo Jackson. Uh, and then uh, I got to go, me being a Southern California native, I got to go Kobe Bryant. Nice. Yes. Good stuff. Good stuff. I like that. Good call, my man. I appreciate you. Be safe out there on those streets because, yeah, it is windy and very, very dusty. Uh, supposed to be up to 70 mile per hour winds, which is absolutely ridiculous. But um, whatever you got in your backyard, make sure you tie it down real good because it may be in your next door neighbor's backyard if you don't watch out. Let's go back out to the phone line real quick. Who we got? Houston in L.A. Houston in L.A. Welcome to the show. Hey, hey, what's up, fam? I'm in the middle of Lowe's, man, but I had to call y'all anyway, man, trying to pick up some stuff from the house. But number one for me is going to be y'all. Y'all took the ball, but I knew y'all was going to take the ball, man. I already knew that. So I'm going to have to say Lester Hayes to mm, one. Nice. Yeah, he, he was a killer, man. Don't you sense, you know, sticky, sticky fingers, right? <laughs> and then um, outside of him, Magic Johnson, baby, I'm a Lakers fan. Oh, gotcha. That's a good one. That's a good one. I like that. I like that. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Good call. Magic Johnson. That's that's yeah, that's a really good one. He was uh Showtime. I mean, he, he is Showtime. You know, he was that guy. Uh and then Kobe Bryant is, is a good one. Uh well, we heard Kobe Bryant earlier. Uh yeah, lots lots of good stuff, man. I love the feedback. Uh all all good ones. 702-365-9200. Let's take one more call. Who we got? Tim in Texas. All right, Tim. From the Lone Star State. What's on your mind? Hello, how y'all doing? Um, my most the, the writer that I used to love, I used to uh, get ready to watch all the time was Napoleon Kaufman too. I used to love Napoleon Kaufman. I had, 
if I if I'm right, he uh, I want to say it was Rashawn Salam had won the Heisman Trophy that year, and they both came out the same year. And uh, but after watching tape on uh, Kaufman, I knew Kaufman would be better than him. And then my other my other person that I used to uh, couldn't wait to watch play was uh, my favorite player, Magic Johnson. There you go. Good stuff. Good stuff, man. Definitely appreciate that. I like that. Great feedback. Got a lot of good feedback so far. Uh, my man, my man Pegleg Raider hit me up and said, bro, people are still at work. Now I'm rolling. You can't be saying donkey face John Elway and rat face Shanahan without warning, folks. My bad. I didn't even know if that was, like, funny. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know. I just thought that that's it just kind of that's what it all like. That's John like, Elway always had that look on his face. Yeah, we're going to get slapped with like a slander lawsuit or something. I know. I'm not trying to be that <laughs> guy. Disparaging. I'm not trying to be that guy, man. We all just got a weather alert on our phone. You get one, too? I I'm going to do not disturb. So it ain't, ain't no uh, popped up for me. OK, I just got a weather alert. Dust storm for this area until 415 p.m. Be ready to set for sudden drop to zero visibility. Pull aside. Stay alive when visibility drops. Pull far off the road and put your vehicle in park. Turn the lights off. Keep your foot off the brake. Infants, the elderly, and those with respiratory issues urge to take precautions. I just gave a PSA. Good job. I think that that's positive. That's what I'm doing. I'm looking out for the community. Good stuff. Uh, Raider Richie from Arizona that will take a break. Hey, Q, the Mike Shanahan and Coach K might be brothers. <laughs> they do. They do kind of both. They they do kind of represent each other a little bit, but I'm not trying to just, like just slander the man, but I just, it, he always had a weird look on his face. And Coach K, I don't know what Mike Shanahan's voice sounds like, but Coach K does have the voice to match with the uh, rat-like allegations. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. One more, one more quick text. Mike Tyson. Must watch TV, even now in his 50s. Yeah, Mike Tyson, uh, because of Mike Tyson, and you could probably appreciate this, Damon, you're a, a big fight game uh, guy. I uh, I fell for the banana and tailpipe, and I bought that last Tyson fight. Him and Roy Jones Jr.? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I bought that fight like I thought I was going to see something special. I really did. I thought I was going to see him knock somebody out because, well, I know that you can't knock anyone out, but Mike Tyson doesn't know that. Mike Tyson doesn't, you know, there's no stop signs in his life. And Roy Jones Jr. was like, hey, man, I'm just here for the check, baby. Right, 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 right. Roy's like, hey, man, let's not let's not make this bigger than it has to be. And I thought Mike was going to just rip his head off, but he didn't. And then, you know, and it was afterwards, it was kind of disappointing. I forget what he said, but he, he had said something in the post-fight uh, presser. And I'm like, oh, come on, Mike. Was it about like something like love and positivity? Yeah, or something like that? he was just like, oh, he's a great fighter and he deserved that. And he did this and he did that. I was like, no, he's not. He leaned on you the whole fight. Like, come on, man. With two 50-year-old men. And know? I bought that damn thing. <laughs> I, won't buy the, I won't buy a fight that we see some real good boxers. We won't. I won't buy the UFC, even though some fantastic fights like this weekend. Oh man, in boxing there were some good fights this weekend. Shane Mosley Jr. got a win. I mean, did he really? local Vegas product. Yep. Did he? I uh, I was watching the fights on ESPN on Saturday night. Whatever ones were free on ESPN, <laughs> those are the ones I watched. There was a good uh, women's fight on ESPN this on Saturday, but it was overshadowed because everyone was tweeting, including you, about the uh, UFC. It was like UFC two thirty seven. Oh my god, this is great! And I'm up here looking at these two ladies fighting. I was like, well, all right, whatever. Best no, I real quick, I love how your brain did that. It was 273. Oh, and I like how your brain did the 237. I flipped it around. 237, 273. I know one thing. I wasn't watching it, but apparently everybody else was. I saw people like Lewis Riddick. I saw Max Crosby. I see everyone tweeting about it, and I'm up here watching whoever was fighting. Oh, well, what are you going to do? It was free. If it ain't free, it ain't me. 227 is the time when we come back. Sam, Gon- Sam Conn Jr. is going to join the show from The Athletic, talking all things Texas NFL Draft Prospects. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. 
That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. The Raiders have made a handful of transactions this afternoon. About four of them to be exact. We'll let you know about that in a few minutes. Right now on the phone lines is our guy Sam Kahn Jr. from The Athletic. He goes by the Texpert because, well, he is an expert in all things Texas college football. So the, with the NFL draft right around the corner, April 28th, right here in Las Vegas, wanted to get his thoughts on a few players, just what he saw from them in college. And we could take our own judgment and, and base it on what we think they'll do on, on the NFL level. So Sam, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. I do appreciate you. And I love the fact that you have such an expertise in such a large state with so much great talent. Wanted to kind of pick your brain a little bit. And one guy that I really want and I'm really intrigued by is, is probably my favorite guy right now in the state of Texas, and that's a UTSA cornerback, Tariq Woolen. I know he's kind of flying under the radar a little bit, but not a whole lot. What are your thoughts on uh, on, on Tariq Woolen and what you saw from him? Yeah, he's, he's a guy that really developed well over his time at UTSA. He's got the measurables you want. Uh, definitely, he's got a lot of speed. Obviously, we know about his combine time, which was really impressive. And he was a really versatile athlete when he came out of uh, high school. He, he was a three-sport guy. He played basketball. He ran track. He, he was really good in both of those. He actually was, during his recruitment, uh, was was considered a potential D1 basketball prospect as well. So, uh, so really, really good, fluid athlete. Uh, and he's somebody who just really developed over time. He started as a wide receiver. That's what his, his uh, UTSA career started as. And then he moved over. I think it was the middle of his junior season or early in his junior season decided to to move to cornerback and so he's had to really learn that position and obviously was good enough last year to be kind of a, a an honorable mention all-conference guy and uh, he, had, he had to miss a few games for injury but really is a, a developmental guy who's got all the skills I think you want but certainly still has a lot to learn at his position and I think that's what makes his upside uh, so intriguing. Man, and that Roadrunner team was really good last season. What what made them so good? Like, how they put everything together last season? Well, there, there's a few things. Number one, I think you got to give credit to Jeff Trailer that he, he did a good job not just changing the culture in that program, but also building the roster. I mean, they, they with the COVID uh, year, with teams being able to have extra scholarships last year, he maxed out. I think they ended up having 95 scholarship players during that uh, the one-year exception that they were able to have because he did a really good job of managing a roster and, and bringing in FBS transfers and bringing in JUCO transfers, recruiting a little bit higher level high school-wise. And then you've got some really good veterans. You know, you had Sincere McCormick, the running back, who, uh, you know, was the leader in, in the conference and one of the top rushers in the country for back-to-back years. Frank Harris, a veteran quarterback. And then they had three really great receivers. They had, they had some really, really talented defensive players. And I think – uh, all that combined with Trailer's uh, just dedication and, and his acumen was was able to kind of put it all together and make it happen. It was really impressive. I think a lot of people thought, at least down here, thought they would be good. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I ever thought, saw them going to you know twelve and one, thirteen and one, and, and winning a conference championship. That was really impressive on their part. Yeah, no, it really was. And, and going back to Woolen real quick, when you see him out there on the field, and you mentioned just kind of being developmental, he still has room to grow. Where would you say that he needs the most growth? You know, how how does he need to continue to develop his game? 
I'm probably just reading and, and reacting to, to quarterbacks and, and receivers. You know, a, a lot of it is a mental game, and, and you've got to know where you're going. As fast as you are, you've got to know where you're going because the receiver is always going to have a step in front of you, and they're going to know where they are. So I think a lot of it is just recognition on his part, uh, being able to keep his eyes disciplined. You know, they always say, uh, you know, that eye discipline for defensive backs is so critical when you're looking in the back and you're trying to read a quarterback and, and where they're going. So I think that's probably the biggest thing. But, but all the other physical tools, I think, are there. Talking right now with Sam Kahn Jr. from The Athletic here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920, talking about draft prospects from the state of Texas. How about we go down to uh, College Station and talk about the Aggies, and they've got a couple guys that I'm intrigued by. Uh, defensive tackle DeMarvion Leal, uh, that's a big dude. You know, <laughs> He's a big deal dude who can get it done. Uh, what did you see from, uh, from Leal on, uh, on Jimbo's team? Yeah, no, he was a productive, uh, impact player, versatile guy, uh, was able to play both on the edge and on the interior, and that, that was what really helped that A&M defensive line thrive because Leal was effective in both disrupting things up the middle but also being athletic enough and having enough been to get around offensive tackles in the SEC and, and get into the backfield consistently. He's a tremendous player. I think he was a tremendous leader, too. He was a he was one of those guys that did things the right way. Uh, he came in. He, he, he was very unassuming when he came in. Uh, and, and he had all the athletic gifts to match. So he's a guy who I think is, is an instant impact type guy uh, when you get him. I guess that the key is going to be finding the right spot for him is, is where do you figure he fits in. I think he measured out at about 6'3", 283. You know, I, th- I think that that size, depending on what kind of defensive lineman you play, you could probably play him either or, and I think that's probably what intrigues most teams about him is that he's got that positional versatility with the physical traits that match up. I know running backs don't get as much love as they should, but Isaiah Spiller is a guy that can go. He's been playing uh, in that program for quite a while. What did you see from Spiller? Spiller, to me, was one of the more underappreciated backs in college football because he just came in and produced every year. You know, he he broke into the lineup as a true freshman. He almost hit 1,000 yards that year, and then he hit 1,000 yards each of his last two seasons, and was really a go-to guy for the Aggies. And, and Jimbo Fisher, Jimbo loves to run the ball, and, and they made no bones about handing him the ball as often as they could. And I, I thought Isaiah was not a flashy guy. He's not a guy that's going to you know, pop it for 60 yards all the time. He's not necessarily always a home run threat. But, man, he was really good at moving the chain. He was really good in short spaces. Like Especially last year, I was impressed because his junior year, or I'm sorry, sophomore year in 2020, A&M had one of the better offensive lines in the country. And, and so his job was a little bit easier in 2020. But last year they, they didn't. They, they had to change up front a lot. They had to move their, their offensive linemen around. They had freshmen in the lineup. And so because of that, there was a lot of defenders getting the backfield. But Spiller had a really good knack for changing direction, for just his instincts in the backfield, for being able to make guys miss in short spaces and then, bounce it out and, and get into space and, and move the chain. And I, I was that to me I think was the most impressive trait of him is just his patience and his instincts. That they, they, they were second and none and it allowed him to make something when there was nothing there in the backfield. Talking right now with Sam Conn Jr. here on Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. My man Demond's got one for you. Yeah, moving to Texas Tech, Easy E Eric Uzukama. Like he's not, he, he's obviously not rated that highly, but he is a big body wide receiver listed at six three two twenty. Could he be like a DK Metcalf, where maybe he doesn't know every route on the route tree, but he does have that upside to develop into a good receiver in the NFL? 
Yeah, I, I don't I don't know that I compare DK just because I don't know that he has the pure physicality of speed that, that DK does, but he is a big body athletic guy. And I to me, I, I thought you know, I talked about Spiller being underrated. I feel like Ezekom was a little bit underrated too, just because he played at a place in Texas Tech that really hasn't won a lot in, in recent years. Last year, you know, they finally got in a bowl game, but but his first two years there they only won four games apiece and so he didn't get a lot of attention, but for my money, he was the best receiver in the state of Texas, Marna. I mean, he was physically gifted. He had everything you needed, but also made big plays down the field. And he just has a really good catch radius and able to go get some, not able just to beat guys one-on-one, but able to go up and get it if you need to. And, and I really like uh, what he was able to do. And I think, I think he's a guy that could really be a pleasant surprise for whoever picks him. Because like you said, he's not going to be somebody that's at the top of the board. Uh, he's somebody that's going to probably be a later round guy, but I think he's someone who you really could uh, make a team to draft him really happy because I think you could see with the, what, just his instincts and his traits, I think he's got a potential to really, really shine down the road. Well, sticking with the wide receiver position, how about we go to Fort Worth at SMU? How about Danny Gray? He's a shorter guy, but he's got speed to kill. Uh, I know that sometimes the ball gets into his pads and, and he can cause a drop, but I know he's a big-time weapon. So uh, what did you see from, uh, from Danny Gray out there at SMU? Yeah, to me, the thing that stood out to him was speed. Uh, you know, he, he was a guy that very good catch-and-run candidate. Like, if you get the ball to him in space, he could take off and, and make guys miss. And, and maybe he didn't all, you didn't always think he looked super fast, but, boy, they were, they were, people were certainly having trouble catching that guy. And, and he was a reliable guy for them. He was the first-team all-conference uh, guy, uh, really was the, the main guy for us. I mean, they had a lot of different weapons, but he, he was probably the best one of the bunch last year. Uh, I you know you you wish he was a little bit bigger I right. think and that certainly you would like that but but as far as I thought hands were decent and I thought his his speed just was really what what blew him over the top. Yeah, no, he he has that big time speed. I'm anticipating him being a guy that's gonna probably uh, return some kicks or some punts, whatever, in the NFL as well. Final one for you. I started off talking with defensive backs. Let's close it out with defensive backs. How about Zion McCollum uh, from Sam Houston State, the Bearcat? He actually has been in the program for a longer time. He's a he's an older prospect, but uh, what did you see from uh, from Zion McCollum there at Sam Houston State? What stood out to you? Yeah, I thought he was just uh, just as a very gifted instincts were there. Uh, very productive player. I mean, from the time he stepped on campus, you know, he was an, an all-conference caliber player and, and seemed to be a leader. He had uh, really good, obviously really good physical traits. You know, testing numbers were really good. And I thought overall it's just a really solid, sound, fundamentally good defensive back. I think uh, that, that's a guy who obviously, like I said, with some of those smaller schools, they don't get a ton of attention. But, man, from the moment he stepped on campus, he was producing, he, he was a leader, like I said, all-conference, all-American type guy. Uh, I think he's a guy who, who really is a name that probably doesn't, a lot of guys don't know, but but really has a chance to, to do special things down the road. And I, I know I said that, that was going to be the last one, but I got one more. I always do that, Undermine. I always do that. All the time. <laughs> I always do that. Logan Hall, I wanted to ask you about him. He's at Houston, but I covered him when he was at Belton High School. Uh, he's a big, tall dude. Uh, what are your thoughts on Logan Hall? Logan, to me, is kind of similar to the Leal and that, that position versatility is really, really impressive because he's got the size. He's about that 285 range. Uh, not, the, not the biggest guy. I mean, he's 6'6", he's six, six, so he's really good, but he's not like he's not going to be that plug guy, you know, defensive tackle type that you're going to stick in the middle. He's a guy that you really, even at 285, can really move well and can get around the edge, can really be disruptive in the middle. Uh, you know, he blocked a field goal throughout his time there. 
Uh, I think he, he's a guy that, when you look at what Houston did defensively, a lot of, again, kind of similar to what I said with A&M and Leal, a lot of what they were able to do up front was because they could move all around. And he's got a quick twitch, you know, really long. He's got the length you want. He can bend a little bit. And I, he's a little bit different from the one that they had the year before. They had Peyton Turner in the last draft, who, who I think was more of an edge linebacker guy. This Logan is more of a inside-out defensive line guy that I think really, like I said, you can plug and play, and I don't think he's going to have much of a problem. And the other thing was, it does both defensive coordinator will tell you, he was a guy who set a really good example, worked hard. He, he played harder on the practice field in most cases than I think you would see even than anybody you would see it, and as hard as he played in games. And that, that was the thing that set a really good example for that defense, and that's one of the reasons why Houston's defense is one of the best in college football this year. It's always exciting when you see a guy that you covered in high school, you see him go on to the next level, then you see him go on to the next level after that. I mean, it's just a whole lot of fun. And Sam, I know that you've done that a lot. You've seen a lot of guys starting off in the high school ranks and go on to the next level and get to cover them all the time there uh, in the state of Texas and beyond. So it's always a lot of fun. Sam, what do you got coming out in the athletic that we need to be on the lookout for? We're, we're starting, uh, well, we're doing some of these draft previews and we're helping out. I've got to work out and finish some of these up with, uh, with our staff, because when these guys get drafted, we'll have a, a stories about what you know what, what they bring uh, to, to the two teams that they're going to, and then uh, our state of the program. Uh, you know, there are annual deep dives that we do on every Power Five program and some of the Group of Five programs in the country. That starts in, the, in a few weeks, and uh, Texas A&M will be the first one we do on. Uh, I believe it's uh, April 25th. So, uh, so the state of the program stuff is coming up pretty soon. Uh, and like I said, the draft stuff, we're going to be helping out with in the next couple of weeks. So lots to keep us busy throughout this offseason. Oh, no doubt about it. Of course, spring ball's going on. Everything's going on. So I know that you're very, very busy. And I definitely appreciate you making some time for us this afternoon. No problem, Steve. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, no doubt about it. Thank you so much. Sam Con Jr. right there, a.k.a. the Texpert from The Athletic on Twitter at S. Con Jr. Uh, anything in the state of Texas, he's got it covered like a glove and a really good breakdown of a lot of players. We were able to scatter shoot a bunch of different players from Texas A&M to Texas Tech. Uh, we're at SMU, Sam Houston State, UTSA. I mean, it's fun to be able to scatter shoot and just uh, go ahead and grab a big chunk of guys and uh, kind of break them down and, and see what they have to offer when it comes to the NFL draft. And of course, we'll do that as well at 3.30 with Tim Watkins from BearsIllustrated.com. He'll talk all things Baylor Bears. 2.44 is the time when we come back. We'll take your calls and texts. Plus, I'll let you know the latest transactions that the Silver and Black have made. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Been getting a lot of feedback. What Raider was must-watch TV for you? What non-Raider was must-watch TV for you? You know I got to cut real hard. Real hard for my boy. I got to really go hard in the paint. Can't nobody say nothing bad about this, man. Ricky Henderson. That's my guy. I had a guy I had a guy tweet at me earlier today who heard the show on Friday and heard me and you going back and forth on Ricky Henderson or whatever. And I was talking about how he hit home runs, leadoff home runs, had records that would never be broken. And he was like, hey, man. He, went, he didn't say his exact words, but basically he was saying, well, he wasn't that great. And, man, I got hot. I got hot this morning. I was like, man, let me go ahead and fire back. I had to tell my dad. My dad's at the house, right? My dad's at my house. So I had to tell him. I was like, this guy's firing up on me about Ricky? About Ricky? And my dad's like, it's 8 in the morning. Like, why are you <laughs> so fired up? But what was his knock, though? Because It wasn't really a knock. Oh, okay. It was just he, was, he said something about, well, he never hit 300 home runs in his career and never hit 30 home runs in a season. I was like, 
wait a minute. The guy has over 3,000 career hits. All-time stolen base. I mean, he was the greatest leadoff hitter. To, look, I'm getting hot already thinking about it. Uh, that was the one guy. If you want to get me into an argument, and people knew this. They used to set me up all the time. It's almost like when you walk into a barbershop and say LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan, then you run out and let everybody argue. That happens. Mm-hmm. If you want to get me fired up, it'd be like, oh, man, Ricky's overrated. Yeah, cause somebody, you <laughs> could say he was selfish. He sacrificed hitting for power to get on to get base hit so he could steal him. What Ricky did not do is he did not strike out like you see baseball players striking out these days. <laughs> Ricky got on base one way or the other. If it was a base hit, a walk, I mean, look at the all-time leading walk. I mean, look, I can go on and on. I don't want to keep going on, but yeah, that was my dude. I used to be able to tell you every stat about Ricky, including his birth date. You know what I mean? Like everything. It's almost sick that I knew as much as I did about Ricky Anderson. And I I tell you all the time that, uh, you know, my best friend, air quotes, growing up, Erica was a big Jose Caseco fan. So we used to beef all the time. Like who was more important, Jose Caseco or, or Ricky Henderson? Um, yeah, so <laughs> we had that we had that argument and fight. So every time Jose Caseco was in the newspaper, she would go and get the paper and clip out the article or whatever like that, put the picture up on the wall. Every time Ricky was in the paper, I'd clip out the picture. I put my whole walls. You can ask my mom. Mama Q will tell you all my walls were it's like a Ricky Henderson shrine. It was ridiculous. It's so cool that you were that big of a fan. But also the first thing that my mind went to, that is one of the oldest things I've ever heard of. Oh, clipping out newspapers? Yeah, the newspaper. <laughs> Well, now you'd have to clip out. You'd have, now you don't have a newspaper. You got to go online. And it's just, so funny. Just send the tweet. Right. Yeah, exactly. My paper is so funny. When I would get a paper and, and like clip out the picture and put it on my wall, it was the color of the newspaper one day. Then all of a sudden, months later, the paper was totally different color. Because, you know, it's just, it gets old. The paper gets old. And so it starts to change colors on you. And that's how long, I mean, you knew. When he broke the solo, all-time stolen base record, I went and I bought one newspaper, but I took every single one of them that was in the, you know, you put a little change in. Well, you probably yeah, don't you, know. You, or you keep it open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I opened it up and I took every paper that was in there because I wanted to have the articles. I had every one of them. I promise you I so did. So nobody else could read the newspaper no, that day? No, <laughs> <laughs> Ricky Henderson is my dude. I mean, seriously, like that was my guy. Like it's bad that I know he was born on Christmas in 1958. Like I, it's bad that I know that. You know what I'm saying? Like that's not, that's not healthy. <laughs> but but it's facts. It's facts that I know. And man, I used to challenge people all the time when it came to anything Ricky Henderson. Don't you dare say nothing bad about Ricky. That's my guy. And now he's got a field named after him. Too bad it's Oakland Coliseum. You want to talk about that? No. That news report you saw? Yeah, I don't want to get nope, into that nope, right okay, now. I don't want to fire up. I love I love Oakland too much to fire up on them all the time. And it's not them that I'm firing up on. It's this damn mayor. And then, well, the stadium, how it is right now. And that used to be one of the greatest places to watch a baseball game. Before the Raiders went back in 95, the Coliseum was awesome. My grandfather had season tickets. We used to sit right behind home plate, but right underneath one of the decks. So we weren't in the sun. We were right there. But it was great seats. And, man, we used to love to watch those games. It was so much fun to go to the Collie. And then when the the A's would win, you'd hear, Celebrate good time. Come on. Yeah, I'm not a singer. Anyway, Raider Ron, what's on your mind, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, Damon and uh, Q, how you doing guys doing today? Hey, we're blessed. Hey, um, <laughs> my favorite Raider or the one that's must-see TV would have been Lyle Alzado. Nice. Back in the back in the 80s, he had a general disregard for for other players on other teams and stuff, you know. Right. But, but uh, and then uh, non-Raider would have been uh, George Foreman. 
Oh, there you go. Oh. There you go. I like that. Old George Foreman, man. That was a hell of a fighter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially, you know, that uh, 94 uh, knockout on Michael Moore. There you go. I like but, uh, it. Get the, yeah. It was uh, not something, you know, kind of spanned a few years, you know, because they don't fight on, like, every Sunday like the <laughs> right. NFL does or anything. But Right. But, uh, yeah, love that guy. All right. Hey, great call, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Uh, that That's some good stuff. And boxers are special because you're right. They don't fight all the time like you see a football game or a basketball game or a baseball game. So when they are in action, just like we had to answer Mike Tyson, you had to watch it. You had to actually – I mean, Mike Tyson made people go out there and, and get that black illegal box so they can get the fights. People were buying that box. Hell, we bought one. We had the black box. And then when the cable company drove around, you unplugged it real quick because you didn't want them to detect it. Oh, yeah. Nah. It was like a beeper? Like, it was just like... No, we, we got, it was, we it was, a, big old, box it was a big old cable box, right? But how would they know? You said if the cable company was driving... I don't know what they had. And it might have just been... <laughs> it might have just been, a, a, you know, old wise tale. But they said, unplug that thing when cable company's in your neighborhood because they'll detect it and they'll zap it. And those things cost too much money, man. It's not like... It wasn't like jailbreaking a, um, a fire stick where you can just go down to Best Buy and get one and then go on YouTube and... And then you're good. I mean, those things cost money. And I said we had one. I didn't mean like my mom had one. I mean like we, like my house had one. <laughs> Somehow, I'm trying but to not make sure your mom. I'm trying to make sure mom is clear. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to put her in it. That is like one of the oldest. That sounds like the wisest of wise. Why is everything got to be old, man? No, the cable company. Today just, has been your theme. Has been old. You've been just dogging old folks the today. The cable company has a device. They're just like driving down the street. I don't know if house it was true or not. Five on the right. We <laughs> go, go get them, boys. I don't know if it was true or not, but I wasn't taking a chance. <laughs> like, ain't no way. How do you know? They could have. It sounds impossible. Just because it sounds impossible don't mean it is. I'm just saying. Somebody knows because I guarantee I wasn't the only swinging D that went in and unplugged my cable box. This house coming up on the left, zap them. <laughs> cable just goes out. I'm serious. We had everything. Every channel was free. Every channel was free. <laughs> Every channel was free. 2.57 is the time. When we come back, we'll kick off hour number two of the show. Cover three NFL news and notes. We'll start off with the Raiders and the moves that they made today. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.